Sequel Quest, episode 87, a sequel chat movie review of Venom. Warning, Sequel Chat is a movie lover's podcast featuring discussions of the latest cinematic sequels in theaters now. These weekend of release reviews are spoiler-filled and highly flammable, so please use caution when listening. You have been warned. Whatever floats your boat. Deep in the recesses of space, the spaceship comes crashing to Earth. And we find aliens? No, symbiotes. Who else was ticked off by their pronunciation of symbiote? Well, that, if, if we're going to start off there, I think that's very <laughs> important. Because I've been saying symbiote for all my life. And now it's symbiote. But that actually goes back to Spider-Man 3 for me, with Dylan Baker's Dr. Kurt Connors, and he said symbiote then, too. And I was like, okay. Jenny Slate's symbiote. So I, I did hear an explanation of this, and it's been confirmed by a couple other podcasts, that in the medical community, that's how you would say that. Hmm. So from a medical standpoint, that would be the pronunciation. See, because I always took it from like symbiosis or a symbiotic relationship. So I just said symbiote. So right. Symbiotic. I've never heard that <laughs> phrase used. So we saw Venom. I'll put it on Front Street. I was surprised. I won't tell you how I was surprised, <laughs> but... Then what are you here for? I was surprised by this movie. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting when you think about it, because, yeah, it was kind of like, what were we supposed to expect? Because going back to, like, Spider-Man 3, when we first get Venom on the big screen, right? I was all in on Spider-Man 3. I'm a huge black costume Spider-Man fan, you know, I own all the major issues, you know, Secret Wars number eight, where the black costume exists for the first time. Amazing Spider-Man 252, which is the first incontinuity appearance of it. And then going into all the Venom stuff. But I have like a full collection of the vintage black costume and Venom action figures from the 90s, even going back to 1984 for the Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. So when Spider-Man 3 came out, that was a big, big deal for me. And then I saw the movie. And I'm like, oh. Well, okay, that was all of us in reality. Like, we all went in with high expectations for that movie. And Sony does what it generally does best. It overcrowds a movie or underdevelops it, and it cashes in, mm -hmm. or tries to anyway. So we survived the first incarnation of Spider-Man and the introduction of Venom with... Oh, for Grace. Which, here's what I'll say. I feel like he was a decent foil to Tobey Maguire, as in, here's a milk toast average guy who yes. gets powers and, and kind of goes a different direction than Peter Parker did. But and there was a moment in there, if this had been just a Venom story in Spider-Man 3 and no Sandman, none of the new Goblin, all that, if they, that moment where he goes to the church and he asks, please, God, 
kill Peter Parker. Like, it's so laughable in how it's performed, but it could have been so intense if there had been a real dramatic buildup to that moment. We just didn't get it. So I feel like there was potential there that just uh, they, the screenwriters and the filmmakers and the producers, because Avi Rod's the one who forced Sam Raimi to put Venom in that movie. Right. It's just kind of, it just didn't work out uh, the way it could have. So now, over a decade later, we finally get... Mm-hmm. A new incarnation of Venom. No Spider-Man in sight. That was the big hurdle I was so, always curious about. Looking at that, and Adam, you're our our Venom guru. Mm-hmm. How was the introduction of Venom? without a spider-man in this movie well i mean when i looked at it because you know for those who don't know very quick history in the comics spider-man fights with a bunch of other heroes uh, and villains on a place called battle world taken there by the beyonder this omnipotent the being. secret wars right yeah the marvel secret superhero wars. secret wars 1984 he gets this alien costume because he goes to a machine that's supposed to create whatever you think you need and it will create it this black ball appears it oozes all over him now he's got a black costume so that happened he eventually figures out it's alive mr fantastic from the fantastic four tells him this is a problem this is an alien symbiote that wants to bond with you permanently so they manage to get it off him and it gets contained for a while but it eventually escapes and in the meantime there's this guy named eddie brock now here's the thing i've always been a huge fan of the symbiote side of venom but not so big on Eddie Brock because he was just like a psychopath who became a psychopath because he was a reporter that figured out who a serial killer was and he's this big hero. But then Spider-Man caught the real serial killer, so he's embarrassed, he's disgraced, and then he becomes the psycho who gets bonded with the symbiote because it sensed the hatred that he had for Spider-Man just like it had a hatred for being rejected by Spider-Man. And then it bothers Peter Parker for quite a few years. He was introduced in 1988. Todd McFarlane, Dave Michelini put him together. And that's the thing is Eddie Brock was not interesting. You know, he's like, I'm just, I'm just crazy guy. Okay. And then eventually they said, I'll be lethal protector. I'm a psycho with a heart for the homeless, you know? (laughs) But anyway, so, but the idea of all of that being so closely tied to Spider-Man, I was happy with how they made it work in this because they used that whole, you know, protector of the homeless of San Francisco. That's direct from the comics. They managed to work that into, okay, he's figured out this plot of this corporation. He gets to the lab. What gets him connected is the fact that he wants to save this homeless woman that he's friends with. And I thought that worked so well, just the characterization of Eddie Brock in that way. And uh, I'll get into what I think of Tom Hardy's performance a little bit later. But I think as far as updating and whatever you want to say, uh, adjusting for the rights that they have to use, I think it worked very, very well. Well, okay, so introducing him, sans Spider-Man, and just going straight into Venom, I was pleasantly surprised and you could kind of see like as they're going along, testing him out on all the broken and homeless. You're like, yeah, they're not mentally capable enough to handle a second personality in there, which could be why when Eddie shows up, he's the healthiest thing in that building, the strongest willed of all of them. And I, I don't know if, 
I, I remember the wording correctly, but when he's out on the buoy, when Venom is talking to Eddie, if he says, I found you or we found you. Because I'm thinking he said we. I thought it was weird the way he said we in yeah. that context. Because it was we. the symbiotes finding the humans on the ship. Although that that is one, you know, that's a big focus of the first half of the movie, right? Drake, the bad guy, is trying to find a way to combine human and symbiote, right? So he's saying, you know, this is our next step of evolution. If we can combine with that, we can get off planet. Our world is wasted. And we, if, if we could live in space on this other planet, I'm bringing new life to our race and whatever. But there was never any real explanation as to what makes a host suitable. And I thought that True. was a, a big plot hole. It's kind of like, okay, mm -hmm. so Eddie just happens to be, oh, what do you know? Drake happens to also be a perfect match. You know, you're like, ah, yeah. okay, that's very convenient. I, I, it would have been fun if they could have gotten, like, even if the Venom, you know, symbiote could have explained that. And I'm hoping that's in some deleted scene that'll show mm -hmm. up on the, the Blu-ray or whatever. Just to give a little That's bit a lot of more of a background. On the ground. Also, holy crap, Sony. You need to go back to design school for your end credits. If you tightened up the lettering, the letter spacing between rows, your credits would be done in about five minutes. Instead, you drug them out for like 15. Now, it, I did stay till the end. <laughs> yeah. Just to get that we're, Eminem song. We're not song talking. Again. Well, and that's the thing. The Eminem song, that's fine. That's great. He's a Venom fan, made a song specifically for mm -hmm. this. They should have timed out their credits to end with him because everything after that was just almost generic, royalty free music that they just slapped in there at the end. To be fair, my understanding is the guy who actually did the, you know, the orchestration for the film, you know, who took care of the score is the guy who scored Black Panther. So, so they did go to some expense to get a, you know, an original Venom score to work in, but you're yeah. right. It's not impressive. It's, it's not bombastic. It's, it just kind of is. Like, even if we had gotten something weird, like that Electro song we got in uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Right. You know, with, like, uh -huh. the voices talking to him, you know? Like, that would have been a cool way to, to me. go. <laughs> well, and, and even there, like, we were, we were sitting there in the theater, my cousin and I, and we were talking, and we were like, they totally just stretched out these credits so that they could say the total runtime was much longer than it should have been. Wasn't it an hour 52? An hour and 52 minutes. Yeah, an hour and 52, and about 15 of that is credits. Well, and, and you made reference to this, Colton, that, you know, they've reported there's 40 minutes of extra footage that is on the cutting room floor somewhere that's available. Uh, I, to I be don't put think back Sony in. authorized Tom Hardy to mention that, but he mentioned it very casually. They're trying to walk it back a little bit by I mean, saying, oh, he's what? talking, he did fun freestyling stuff. Yeah, what he are they going to do, fire him? Yeah, <laughs> it's too late for that now. Because, you know, in the, the production of the film, originally, as I was hearing it, and in the reports I've read, it was intended to go after the Deadpool and Logan audience. It was supposed to be yes. rated R and be a it hardcore was. film, yep. not a superhero comic book movie. It's just based on a comic, but it's going to be I love real, that tagline, the world movie. has enough superheroes. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like New Mutants, where they also mm -hmm. said, oh, it's going to be like a horror movie. But then they've gone back to reshoot, which makes me think it's not going to be a horror movie. It's going to be a PG-13. Anybody mm -hmm. notice that the Tom Holland cameo never came up, even though it is, yeah. a, it is a confirmed fact that that was filmed? 
He was on set. Yes. For I think two days. And, tops. And I think it was supposed to be some like on the TV yeah. screen, like in the background mm-hmm. cameo type deal. So uh, the fact that they cut something that benign makes me think they, there's a lot missing. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of standard superhero fare in the film. At the same time, I think they have done a good job. At least I feel like you could always count on Tom Hardy to give you an interesting performance, right? It's he's always going to give you an interesting vocal performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like for for being in San Francisco, he has a very New Yorkish accent. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Well, but they explained it and I really appreciated that. Again, that was an Easter egg from the comics when Anne is telling him, "Hey, I don't want to repeat of the Daily Globe incident." And he talks right. about I, you know, see I wasn't that. chased yeah. out of New York, you know, or whatever. That was uh, I was going places. So I loved how they used a little bit of that continuity to say, yes, there is a history in New York. There's all that that happened, but that he ended up in San Francisco, which, again, is what happened in the comics. So I think that was great. You were raised in San Francisco. I was merely adopted by it. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. You mentioned vocal performances. I had to do that. So I got to make a plea to all the YouTubers out there. Will somebody please do a supercut replacing all of the Venom dialogue with Bane dialogue from Dark Knight Rises? Because that oh, would just be entertain me for hours. <laughs> you think this gives you power over me? <laughs> Doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. Let me just say, as much as Tom Hardy makes Eddie Brock, you know, feel heroic and just quirky enough to be likable, I mean, he's written with this insatiable need for justice, and he sticks to his own moral code no matter the consequences. I think that's an interesting way to endear us to him, but also gets him so quickly to his rock bottom. Like, he can't control himself and look at all it cost him, and with, with nothing to show for it. Like, he didn't get any yeah. any revelation from Drake by dropping that on him and that he loses his fiance, like all of that because he betrayed her trust you know and stole you know top secret documents from her or confidential top secret I don't yeah know. i think top secrets only if it's government um but then the real star of the movie is tom hardy's vocal performance as venom yeah i was thinking maybe they got like tony todd the candy man to exactly come in. i thought that too until i saw the credits yeah. i was like but it Whoa. was tom hardy yeah yeah it's kind of like what Ryan Reynolds did with Deadpool 2. He was Juggernaut, exactly. you know? <laughs> Such a surprise. I thought that their dynamic was hilarious because it was just like, it was so clever to have Venom be so blunt about things. You know, you are a loser, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> then, we should bite their heads off. A pile of bodies, a pile of heads. You know? <laughs> the um, derogatory word that we can't repeat here that he yes. used to describe Eddie because he refused to jump off the top of the building but took the elevator instead. Yes. That was a great moment. Made my theater just erupt. There, there was a lot of Deadpool-esque humor in this. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping a lot of that was done when they pared it down to PG-13. I'm assuming so. But but th- also with the PG-13, you still see the remnants of the R rating because the amount of yes. times you're hearing the S word in this movie is j- it's just nonstop. Every character is just like cursing up a storm. As, as much as they can push, you get your one F bomb right. and then you get everything else. And I was just like, wow, okay, so this definitely is not for young kids. No. Do not take your 
young kids, which I had eight-year-olds in my audience, and I'm like, parents, what are you doing? Well, remember, we all had those children in our theaters during Deadpool. And Blade Runner 2049 for me. <laughs> but to be fair, a lot of kids know who Venom is from Disney Channel and Kids oh, right. and maybe oh, even, yeah. you know, streaming old reruns from Fox Kids. You know, Venom has been very thoroughly introduced to young children, so that's kind of understandable. Well, I mean, he was the villain of the 90s. Like, Wolverine was the most overplayed comic book character. Venom was the villain side of that. He was in everything. He was in everybody's comic. Like, he would just guest star nonstop. Definitely, he's continued on throughout the years. I feel like there's actually been, you know, so many iterations where they got to the point where Eddie Brock got like cancer at one point so the symbiote rejected wow. him which was super harsh and then went on to mac gargan who was originally yeah. spider-man villain the scorpion <laughs> that blew my mind when that happened yeah, yeah. And he ended up being spider-man in the dark avengers series which i just heard is being developed into a film by the mcu yeah they've ordered a, a script yeah that's exciting because I, I love that run I, I have a couple trades of that and it's which so... there's a good reason to do so if we don't have any avengers That's left right. it's a perfect opening right yeah <laughs> but then most recently there was agent venom which is where peter parker's old bully right. flash thompson is a soldier who gets bonded with the venom symbiote after he gets his legs amputated yeah I it's just that. like there's so many places they've taken venom up to this point well he's been a guardian of the galaxy recently oh mm -hmm. wow I, I heard that when he was with matt gargan he was technically called venom 3 is that right uh, i never referred to him as that but i'm sure like oh. in the official marvel database that's how he was being referred to but the other cool variation of venom is we got a taste of it, which I loved. Like, first of all, I thought, I don't know Michelle Williams' work. I know she works quite a bit. She's in a lot of stuff. What do you guys know her from? I, I know the name. Primarily, I first knew her from Dawson's Creek 20 years oh, ago. That's right. <laughs> okay, now I remember And then, her. then she started really building up her acumen. She was one of the love interests in Brokeback Mountain, Oscar caliber work on her That's part. it. Yeah, I heard uh, that. She, yeah. I was blown away by her performance in My Week with Marilyn. She was Marilyn Monroe hmm. in that movie. I was. Uh, I don't say stuff like that easily. She embodied Marilyn Monroe. So she had some stuff. And so between Tom Hardy signing up for this and her signing up for this, I really thought this was going to be a great movie. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 so it sounds like it had potential. And again, yeah. maybe it just got cut out for the sake of maybe. action. But I thought she was a great companion to Eddie, even after the breakup and being with her boyfriend. I thought that it was clever to have her dating a doctor who can mm -hmm. then help Eddie. And I loved how they explained the symbiote issues with the sonics so yes. so putting him in the mri and then that setting it off like that was a, just a real great way rather and then later the symbiote just comes out and fire you know <laughs> like okay also fire <laughs> but but i thought Anne was just so she really called eddie out on all his stuff but i loved how when she became she venom yes you know that was awesome but there's a whole new fetish for a bunch of guys out there right now <laughs> oh, which yeah. is she venom yeah <laughs> I, a lot of people were saying oh my gosh venom made out with eddie and i was just like i had to think for a second 
And then I realized what they were talking about. And yeah, I think I agree with you. Some people are going to be a little too into that. But see, that is based in the comics as well. She was Eddie's ex-wife. And that yeah. really happened. I have the action figure. It's called Bride of Venom. And it's <laughs> it's her whole body, you know, covered in the suit, except for one half of her face that's screaming in terror. It's such a cool figure. So I was, I was really excited when that moment came up, as brief as it was. But it, it really sets it up, giving Anne a symbiote suit again in the sequel would be awesome just like pepper got her armor eventually and got her or i guess she got her extremist but then got a little piece of armor yeah spoiler gwyneth paltrow was wearing a mocap suit for avengers 4 Uh yeah yeah so but let's give it what did you guys think about the action because i they really i mean a big chunk of this movie is just a bunch of action scenes so was there any one in particular that stood out did you guys feel like they did anything new with the action with the uh, capabilities of the suit or there were a few of the fight scenes uh where it just looked unfinished or it looked like uh it needed another layer of rendering to give a little more shine to the matte finish i agree with that mostly because a lot of these shots were at night and it just made venom and, and usually Bland. if you're doing high cgi stuff yeah. you put it at night so you can hide some of the unfinished stuff and it still didn't still seem... kind of stuck out yeah well it was very it felt to me and when i originally saw the trailers i was like okay this is the venom movie we would have gotten in the 90s just like spawn mm-hmm. if they'd done <laughs> yeah, spawn I've been hearing and that, venom. A ton. that is so true yeah it, it looked it, that's what it looked like to me and i was like okay because it, it basically it's just you know, aside from, I felt like the first apartment fight was a little bit unique because of all the involuntary actions that Eddie was taking to win the and the and the communications back and forth. Why would we do this? Yeah, exactly. And so, like, that was pretty fun. But otherwise, like the motorcycle chase and taking out the SWAT team. That was the SWAT team was very Batman. That just felt like Dark Knight <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, oh, all right, it's not that exciting. And then, of course, getting to the end is a very generic, you know, symbiote versus symbiote battle. It's it's like Hulk versus Abomination, Iron Man versus Ironmonger. You know, just an evil yes. version of the hero uh, square. This was the most generic battle since, like, any Transformers movie you can think of. I'm sorry. Yeah, you you couldn't couldn't make sense of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, like, flailing goo all over the place and ripping each other apart and whatever. Like, I would have preferred the villain, because I thought Drake, you know, Riz Ahmed was a good villain. I thought he was, you know, the Isaac and Abraham speech was interesting and get some idea of that he's got no conscience about what he's doing, even though he thinks he's doing a good thing, but... Kind of an evil Elon Musk there, you know? Yes, yes and I think that's what they were going for. <laughs> and and a lesser actor could not have pulled off what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Riz really made it very sincere and also to the mm-hmm. point and very, we're doing this. Like, there's... No way around it. We're just doing it. Yeah, my my only concern was that I this is where the writing kind of failed. It is why did Eddie think Drake was so evil to begin with? It was he's like he's just like he's a crook. That's all he said. But you're like, what did he do? And then we see okay, he's manipulating homeless people to be experimented on. That's wrong. But at the same time, it felt like out of the gate we were supposed to think he was evil. And is it just that all corporate heads in movies are secretly evil? That's just the Hollywood trope I've just come to develop thick skin towards is that all corporations are automatically evil from the jump and it is what it is. 
Well, and, and that's the thing. They don't explain it. It may be that he's known about some of his rumored issues since his time in New York, mm-hmm. since he's moved out. I mean, his girlfriend at the time is working on a legal case about it. Right. So, like, he's got some inclinations that this guy is dirty. We need to get to the dirt. But I feel like every corporation has legal issues. You know, it doesn't automatically make them, you know, the bane of of our existence that they're going to, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) But the other part was, like, you know, when he gets combined with the riot symbiote, I would have liked him to outsmart Eddie and fight with, like, Sonics or Fire instead of just being a better fighter. You know, because when Venom says, I'm kind of a loser on my planet, <laughs> like, which was funny, but it was well, just like, okay. oh, so he's not a good fighter and he's going to get beat. Got it. Well, you but know? in a way, that's kind of resetting our our expectations because throughout the movie, as we've seen Venom do, he's the greatest thing on this planet. Mm-hmm. And then this other symbiote is introduced and he's like yeah so eddie i called you a loser i'm a loser too so he's got things that you can't even imagine (laughs) that was a great line so we're going to die (laughs) and that really just readjusts the audience to say oh this might get interesting yeah sets the stakes differently although i do i don't understand like you know obviously they set up the whole situation with the sonics the mri how did Anne get the right sonic frequency on to the speakers to help him while they're fighting on the rocket? Like, I was just like, I don't understand. What was she using to, like, she was just doing feedback? Like, it, she was turning a dial. And I'm like, what is that dial for? As an audio guy, <laughs> I think that was feedback. Okay, I assumed so. But I was just like, that just kind of came out of nowhere. I was like, thank you for helping Pepper. Oh, I mean, Anne. But, you know, <laughs> it was just kind of strange. But... I I also don't understand. So they explain that Drake, you know, sent an exploration crew to get samples. So they got the symbiotes and brought them back. The question I still have then is then Venom explains we were going to come and invade you anyway. So like, which one is it? Like, why did they have to go out and find it if they were coming anyway? And uh, it, it just it just does seem like unnecessary. Let me see if I can walk it through. The symbiotes were on the meteor and they were looking for a new planet. They were the scout team for a new planet. The Life Foundation, they were just doing exploratory work and they came across this stray meteor and that's when they made land and began to collect samples, doing all the sciencey stuff. But it was, quote unquote, by chance that we found the symbiotes. But they knew they were coming towards an inhabited planet. That wasn't totally clear to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be the the oversimplified version of yeah. it. Yeah. They were basically trying to travel 100, and they ended up only having to travel 90. There you go. Okay. That, that's how I saw it. And it, it was, I will say, I really liked that opening shot. Like, it seems, like, so rote and boring, like, oh, a space shuttle crashing to Earth. But I love the slow appearance in the distance, and then it's getting closer and closer. And just, it really felt frantic. Like, that kind of reinvented that situation for me. I feel like I haven't seen it done that well in a long time. Like, I felt it in that moment, and I didn't even see any people. I just see a ship coming into the atmosphere, you know, and you hear the commotion. And apparently there's an astronaut named Jameson on there. A nice little wink-wink. 
Wink. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how much they've taken the 90s animated series version for Mm -hmm. this as their basis. I was like, well, that's cool. I mean, you got it. It was a good retelling because, again, you weren't going to use Secret Wars, even though they eventually did Secret Wars on the 90s animated series. So I don't know (laughs) if they were going to do it. Just do the black costume. But they needed Venom to start. Mm -hmm. They needed him to be in the series first season, But which I have the DVD. Love it. My kids watch it. (laughs) They know all the lore of Venom. My son is constantly constantly asking me venom questions you know? so this is my question what did you guys think when venom says because it's this another piece that didn't quite ring true to me you know eddie's like well you know what made you change your mind you know he's sticking around huh and he's like you did eddie he did what eddie didn't ever teach venom anything he didn't ever i'm gonna betray my race and stay on earth because i bonded with you i was like what thank you there was a heroism at the end that i didn't feel was totally earned Thank you. I thought I was alone. Not at all. Because I was just like, I understand, yes, we know he has Eddie's memories, he's in his mind, so I assume just by osmosis or literal bonding, you know, the the goodness of humanity that Eddie believes in kind of transferred to Venom or something, but that was not clear. I think it would have been better if Venom was like, hey, the way things are now, I'm special, and I make you special. That's the reason we should save the world for our own selfish reasons. So I'm a loser where I come from, but here I'm special. I make you special. If I help you stop this invasion, we get to continue being special. That would have been cool. That would have fit with the whole, the world has enough superheroes. Here's an anti-hero thing. Yeah. That would have fit so perfectly. But instead, they went for the generic unearned mm. hero trope, I thought. I, I think what you're saying there, Colton, it's there. But it's not super spelled out for the audience. And I'm not even sure that was the filmmaker's intention. And it could be that it was developed in the editing bay, like in how they chopped it up. Now, it could be that having bonded with both Eddie and Anne. I like her. Yeah. That could be another part of this where he's like, hey, this is a reason for me to stay. You are the reason I want to stay. Yeah, again, I I think that's what it is, but it's just like, I think we, almost as an audience member, I feel like we need it spelled out for us. It's nice that they thought so much of us, but at the same time, it's kind of like, I'd like to have some explanation for how you came upon this this realization you know because again it does sound like well i bonded to you i bonded to two humans i think are good so everybody else must be okay too because it's not it's not till the final scene basically that eddie says look we gotta have rules you know there's bad people there's good people too you know and maybe you maybe you'll be able to eat some of them you know like <laughs> yeah he's, he's negotiating some of the cracks in eddie's moral code yeah make the film a little entertaining towards the end Oh, well, I mean, at that point, I mean, you're, you're yeah. kind of leveraging, okay, well, mm-hmm. either this thing is going to eat me alive, or when we've run into somebody who's really bad, you know, take a chunk of brain. So if you guys had to go favorite scene, what would be the standout? Because, I mean, again, I think we walked away, and, like you said, being surprised, enjoying this movie maybe more than we thought, but what what did you guys walk away with saying, this was a really good scene or a good moment? Ronald McDonald, Woody Harrelson. Oh, wow. (laughs) We're going right there. Okay. (laughs) If I ever get out, there's going to be carnage. Spoiler alert. No, but uh, (laughs) they're setting up a sequel. Yeah. Based on the numbers. It's already been announced. Yeah. Based on those numbers, they better announce it. Well, here's the thing. Like, 
I thought the Carnage side of that tease was very cool, but Woody Harrelson would not have been my first choice. I get, like, the natural-born killers connection, right? He's played a serial killer in a very famous film of the 90s, okay. But Woody Harrelson looks so bad in that wig, and he is also not one of those actors that disappears into a role. Like, Tom Hardy is a chameleon. We, You know, we've seen him in all sorts of stuff before, you know, whether it's Inception or The Revenant or you know dark Knight rises all that but like he really becomes something else woody harrelson is always just woody harrelson and now he's woody harrelson every universe he's in star wars he's a planet of the apes he's in (laughs) hunger games now you see me to a lesser extent if sam jackson is not in the franchise it will have woody harrelson I mean, I, I'm just kind of done with him. I, I feel like he, I didn't know when he became one of our most respected actors. Like, he's not terrible. He's a likable actor, but they put him in so many different roles that I don't think he blends into. I, I don't think he works in those universes. I think he always stands out. For Carnage, I actually wanted Jim Carrey. Oh. Between his performance in Kick-Ass yeah. 2 and the way he acts on social media today, <laughs> I can totally see Jim Carrey being He carnage. would be frightening, yeah. And being more frightening than funny. I would agree, actually. I mean, that would have taken me out, too. But I think Jim Carrey, over the years, has shown us more gravitas. Mm-hmm. And especially if you've seen, you know, Jim and Andy, that documentary, you see, okay, the, the actual yes. person is frightening as well. <laughs> yes, I, d- I did see that. But I, I mean, I like that they're setting up Maximum Carnage because, yes, obviously that makes sense. There, there's the next step for Venom to really be a hero on a different scale. But the problem is, and hopefully they don't do it till they finish up the rest of the Sony universe, you know, because they're doing all their Spider-Man movie characters without Spider-Man, Silver and Black. I heard Morbius is starting to get a little bit of movement. Script treatments. Yeah, just a little bit of movement, I heard. Yeah. Because that Maximum Carnage, the point was like a bunch of heroes or characters that were usually on opposing sides had to come together to stop Carnage. And they don't have a big enough universe yet. So if they could just wait a little bit before we get that, so it's not just Venom versus Carnage the whole time. If he can have allies he pulls in, I think that's a lot more valuable in in them just like building their own MCU. Because it sounds to me like Eddie Brock is their Tony Stark. He's going to kind of be the centerpiece that goes between the different movies. At least that's what I heard for Silver and Black. So it sounds like that's kind of their plan. So if they can give it a little bit of time to breathe and not jump into a Justice League scenario, I think that would be beneficial. Give everybody time and then come back for more Venom. But I don't know. Yeah, your question about what scene was my favorite, I really couldn't pick one because the whole film just didn't super gel for me. Can I tell you my least favorite scene? Go for it. Most memorable then. Uh, Yeah. A lot of people are harping that this is Catwoman level bad i will i will come out and say it is not not even close it is having seen both films halle berry's catwoman and this it is nowhere near catwoman level bad there is one scene though that is kind of in that realm though and that is the scene in the restaurant i i physically cringed at that scene in the restaurant i don't know if it should have been re-edited or reshot or whatever but it was just painfully unpleasant to behold that is hilarious because that is my favorite moment in the movie (laughs) no adam what have you done no 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 he's just out of control venom searching for live food adam i don't know you anymore I just... Well, but but that's the thing. This this movie was always going to be polarizing. Yeah. yeah. And and you've seen it amongst the critics and the fans. It's about a sixty percent 
difference in tomato meter versus the audience mm-hmm. score. And coming from not not the the overly movie critical, mm-hmm. I went in with super low expectations. This blew those expectations out of the water. It's like maybe Thor the Dark World level in the overall. I'd give it Iron Man 3. <laughs> this yeah. is better than Thor the Dark World, yeah. I will say. <laughs> but it's it's in that company yeah. of movies. Like, it's there, it does its job, but it moves things along. That's that's and all it's, it's there for. It's not in the running for an all-time classic. It's definitely not Deadpool. <laughs> it's got the humor that I was not entirely anticipating, but I'm glad it's there because if it wasn't, Oh, would have been cringe. But I do have to give it credit for its biggest hurdle. Does it work without so much as Spider-Man or a Peter Parker? And I think it does. I think it worked well. Venom did not have the insignia on his chest that he typically gets as a leftover from being once attached to Spider-Man. All of that. This is a world where, for all intents and purposes, Peter Parker never existed. And it it still ends up working just fine. Full credit for pulling that off. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would agree. I I think it, it does stand alone. It's a good starter for what's to come and you know the cool thing is you know they set up that there is this whole planet of symbiotes that are going to come out and actually in the 90s they did a whole storyline you know i collected it at the time where the invasion actually happens and it's venom and spider-man and the scarlet spider at the time who was the ben riley spider clone right had to team up as this trio to fight off all these symbiotes baiting them all or doing whatever they were doing you know and it was actually a really weird like very small story where you would think it would have spread out to the whole Marvel universe and there would have been a lot of people concerned about this but I think that that's an, an after they do Maximum Carnage that's kind of like the obvious follow up that's the third in the trilogy is that they you know here they finally come and what are you going to do about it you know and how are you going to fight them off so I think they have a lot of places to take it and I think that is good I, I think it's open-ended enough but they can allow other things to develop, like I was saying, around it, leading up to future sequels. And then you could work that, you know, continuity in. And I think that's a, a good way to play it. Yeah, pretty much just slow play it until Tom Holland's uh, Marvel contract is over. And then technically his contract is with Sony. True. Once those uh, whatever number the, of films. The shared they, contract. Yeah, once that shared contract is up. Sony could very easily say to Disney, okay, we're picking up our marbles and going home, and Tom Holland is one of those marbles. True. But Amy Pascal would be crazy to let that deal expire, because I, yeah. I, I gotta tell you, financially, Spider-Man Homecoming broke a trend where every single Spider-Man film was making less money than the previous one. Mm-hmm. That was consistently true for 10 years, and then Homecoming came out and broke that trend, so... I think it behooves Sony to keep that deal going. So I really don't, uh, if they're smart, we're not going to see Tom Holland join Tom Hardy and the rest of them anytime soon. Just saying. Right. Unless Unless Disney is like, hey, let's play ball, bring all of them, and we'll work them in. Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like there's all sorts of rumors as of right now that we're going dimension hopping rather than time hopping in the fourth Avengers movie. So this opens the door, multiple dimensions. Sony's film division has been losing money for years. And I heard they're open to flat out selling their film divisions. They were. And that came out before homecoming. Oh, and that was, that was right before Disney was like, Hey, you foot the money. You're going to keep all the profits. Just let us produce the movie. And, and toys too. 
Right, <laughs> right. They'll keep. We'll keep the merch. You mm-hmm. keep the, the movie money, and we'll we'll make this work. And that's the only thing that kept Sony's movie production afloat, which yeah. is why we're getting all this Spider Verse mm-hmm. stuff. But speaking of dimension hopping, what did you guys think about the Into the Spider Verse? In another universe. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, in another universe. What a great segue. I mean, I love the art style. I'm very curious to see how the movie plays. Uh, I'm not super thrilled about the casting of the Peter Parker that's in this. Uh, just at least for the trailers. Like, that actor is fine. You know, he's in, what, uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. He was in Jurassic World. He's on New Girl. I, I just, he seems yeah, too, yeah. like, slacker, stoner. Like, uh, yeah, man. You know, he just seems like so laconical to be playing peter parker so he's must be peter parker from a different universe because we saw a peter parker gravestone in the miles morales universe so i assume they're they're dealing with ultimate spider-man being dead the young peter parker just like in that universe but i'm reeling from spider-ham showing up yes wow john mulaney (laughs) spider-ham Peter Porker. Yes. Peter Porker. Spectacular Spider-Ham. I had those comics back in the day. That was fun. Backups well, of Marvel Tales. <laughs> Nick Cage, Spider-Noir. That's right. I think there's a lot of good visual stylings. So I, th- I think visually it's going to be very interesting. And I, I just am so curious to see what they really do with the story. And if it leads now, to a live action Miles Morales film or introduction into the mcu or something down the line because i assume he's going to explode after that movie comics fans have known about him for a long time we already met his uncle in homecoming exactly. we did <laughs> and i wonder if in the uh, character rights if miles morales is part of that deal it's tricky yeah it makes you wonder or maybe they're going to use tom holland up until the contract ends and transition to somebody they have the rights to, uh, something like that. Ne- negotiations are always possible. Like, for example, uh, I don't want to segue too much. Uh, Ego, the Living Planet. True. Fox owned that, and Disney made a deal with Fox saying, um, "Can we have the rights to that? We'll give you some rights to some other stuff." And that's how they got him into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. So, who knows? The negotiation is always possible. Now, are you guys a fan of the frame rate on it? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I think the visual stylings of it is very interesting and engaging, and it gives that live-action comic book feel like I've never seen before. You know, like, so I, I really like, what they, from the first time I saw the trailer, I was like, this is a great way to go with animated movies based on comics. The, the frame rate, to me, is too choppy. And it granted, that could have been where I was sitting in the theater, especially for that one. I will not want to be sitting on any of the wings you'll definitely want a more central seat but it just felt a little too choppy i've heard it described as it's almost page turning esque that's, that's exactly the feeling i got yeah, with it without like nobody book. said <laughs> nobody said a word to me what you just said yeah. everything you said it was strictly something i was thinking i had never heard anyone say it before You're and the, first person and the only time that. i've seen anything very comic booky esque in any of these movies we got to go back to Ang Lee Hulk. Yeah. Which those, those it's box, transitions. Those box transitions annoyed me to no end. <laughs> I'm sorry. That really helped sink that movie for me. Yeah, amongst Among other the, things. That's what I'd say, amongst other things. Shrek Hulk. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think I'm going to hit theaters for it, but it'll be a nice red box rental down the line. Oh, so many movies are coming out that week. Actually. Jeremy, uh, tell us how many films are coming out that week. <laughs> no, Sony blinked first. They moved it up a week. 
14th now. Yes. Okay. Still so crowded it, time frame. Yeah. Well, it's all the holiday break. I so know. they'll have a weekend all to themselves with Into the Spider-Verse. The following weekend is Bumblebee, Aquaman, <laughs> and Mary Poppins. So which of those should we come back for in Sequel Cast? Or is there anything in well, November? Well, Mary Poppins is a sequel, technically. Uh, Bumblebee is a prequel. Which looks great, by the way. It looks like the first good Transformers movie. So here's the thing. You know, we're not primarily a movie review podcast but we love to get in when we can and it was a, a busy summer with travel for everybody else but here's what's happening sequel quest proper is going on hiatus for the months of november and december so we won't be discussing sequels prequels, and reboots we're not going to be pitching out these ideas for our favorite film universes instead colt and jeremy are going to be hitting the theaters hard we've already mentioned so many films coming out at the end of the year so you're going to be hearing a lot of sequel chats uh, leading up to January 2019 when we'll come back. So, guys, I thank you for filling the gap while I go off. Uh, my wife's having our third kid, so we're, uh, I'm going to be at home with a baby. Uh, Got Mr. Mom here. Yeah. Round of applause. So we'll uh, we'll do what we can there, but we'll be we'll be prepping for a brand new season of Sequel Quest in 2019. So definitely come back, because we'll keep you posted. The show's not going anywhere. Just you get a little bit more in-theater experience. Now, this is what? we're entering year four of sequel quest yeah i mean as we get into 2019 that'll be our fourth year we're just hitting our third anniversary 2015 is when we started october 2015 so thank you everybody for sticking with us for so long or those who have found us recently because we're getting more and more responses more and more ideas for shows you'd like and those you want to participate in so that's the even more fun for us is people coming like our uh Spaced Invaders episode with Commander Sue. She came in. She said, I got a pitch. None of us were huge fans of the movie. She loved it. That passion plays through. That tickled my brain. I completely forgot about it till you guys brought it up. Just wow. <laughs> There's so much more to come. So I'm going to bite off your arms and your legs and your head and your body will be a lifeless, faceless, lifeless, faceless, legless. Legless, armless, lump of a man, blowing about like a turd in the wind. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to join us next week for another discussion about a film that never was. Share your ideas with the Sequel Quest universe by visiting SequelQuestPod.com, following us on Twitter at SQPod, on Facebook by searching Sequel Quest, or sending an email to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com. Let the world know how much you enjoy the show by leaving a review and five-star rating on iTunes. All films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. Hey, yo, 